it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Okay, so it should have been three domestic cup competition games uh, back to back, but COVID's got in the way of all that. We're going to look at Liverpool's congested fixture list this month, the players that won't be part of it, of course, with AFCON finally here and it's transfer window time. Who are the likely Liverpool departures and which English clubs are maybe eyeing Philip Coutinho at the moment? It's the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall. Kiva O'Neill and Simon Hughes are on today's pod. Uh, welcome, guys. Kiva, we'll start with the postponement of the, the Carabao Cup semi-final with Arsenal. It's got to be seen as common sense, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It caused a lot of fume, didn't it, among rival fans. But I think it's the right thing to do, considering the outbreak and you know, the number of, of staff and, and players affected. Liverpool have sort of been battling with COVID for the last few weeks, but not you know requesting to to get any games postponed with this one they felt they had to did that and it's I mean it's caused fury hasn't it across social media and beyond do you get that do you understand in any way that the fury because I can't get my head around it why are people so keen to have a go at Liverpool because they've postponed their game I think they think Liverpool are getting something out of this or something but I mean you know they've give away the the home leg for the the last one haven't they for the second leg I guess as part of you know the agreement and I think people like to be mad about things don't they is the, the general thing and Sai's probably got a, a good opinion on this but I guess Liverpool are just one of those clubs I think that the people like to hate at times and Liverpool fans are all right with that. Sai's never mad about anything he's the personification of calm um, there, there was staff members missing for the Chelsea game there was three key players or well, there's key players missing for that there's three that have gone to AFCON more COVID cases this week. I mean, this is inevitable, isn't it, Si, that this game was going to get called off and maybe even the FA Cup game with Shrewsbury as well? Yeah, I mean, somebody who are now on social media made the point about the game against Shrewsbury potentially taking place and uh, a fume rising from the social media channels because of that. You know, obviously, the Shrewsbury game, there's a higher chance of Liverpool winning that game with a weakened squad. I think that's fair to say. Obviously, we did do that a couple of seasons ago in the FA Cup, which would not really account for the passage of time as well. You know, obviously, the reality is three or four days later, there might be more players available, but equally, there could be more players unavailable. So it is a, it's a bit of a mess, really, at the moment. Um, every club has had different problems with COVID. I just thought the wording in the, in the statement uh, released by the EFL was was pretty telling, really, and, and, and pretty significant, sort of an ever-growing number of players. So it seems like, you know, there's there's a lot more players who've got this. Now, you know, you've seen various people sort of make the point that Aston Villa played Liverpool last season, a similar circumstance, really. But obviously, since then, you know, the, the, the circumstances of the game and the surrounding environment have changed somewhat. 
there's contextual change. And then you also get people who are saying, well, Liverpool were quite happy to play against Aston Villa in, in 2019 with a youth, you know, with a youth squad, uh, which I, I do actually see that point to some degree that, you know, Liverpool haven't always treated, I would say, the, the domestic cups with the the attention that it's previously had from other managers because of the priority of getting into the Champions League and winning the Premier League and the and obviously the Champions League. So for me, that should be changing now because they have done that. They've got over the line with that. It does remain a football club. It's a sporting club. That should never be forgotten. I could always understand the arguments against that when they were in the pursuit of the Premier League because it was such a big deal for the club. Obviously, you will get people potentially trying to reason away about the financial significance of getting into the Champions League and potentially the, the domestic cups getting in the way of, of that pursuit. But I think Jamie Carragher was right a couple of weeks ago. He, he put a column in the Daily Telegraph saying that you know, it would be an absolute shame, really, if Jürgen Klopp was to finish his reign as Liverpool manager with just two trophies, which you know that, that would rank him below you know, in terms of trophies previous managers who, who've won a lot more but ultimately have not won you know the the, big, the, the very biggest prizes so I think it, it for, should force a rethink at Liverpool and I hope that the, when they do play Arsenal next week and I hope that when they do play Shrewsbury in the Cup they take it a bit more seriously this season because for me I just can't see them winning the league and I think particularly the League Cup they're only two three games away from, from winning the, the competition in a competition which Manchester City aren't involved in there's definitely a, a heightened level of importance on on the League Cup now, isn't there, Kiva, given what's happened in the Premier League? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, just being anyone who's at that Leicester game recently, I think mm. knows the, the power of the League Cup. Honestly, it was the most European Cup it's ever felt. And I think, like Sai says there, you know, if you actually look at Liverpool's records, and I know James has done a piece on, on this this morning, but if you look back at the the record of, of late of Liverpool winning the League Cup, the FA Cup, you know, it was the last time, 2006, they won the FA Cup. Obviously got into the final in 2012, I think a semi-final after that, but I haven't really done much else. The, the League Cup obviously got to the final in Klopp's first season, got beat by Man City and haven't really, you know, got as close to that. And I think that's a shame because I think we will assess Klopp's reign at Liverpool in terms of, trophies at the end of it even though he's brought Liverpool the two biggest of all but now it's about that being ruthless and being Man City like and winning the cups in that sort of ruthless fashion that they have done for for years and I think this season is a big opportunity to do that and I think Liverpool are going to take the League Cup seriously they've sort of you know found themselves in the semi-final now and why wouldn't you want to go on to win it and then obviously the FA Cup as well and I think, you know, it's been sort of a bit of a pattern that, you know, people have felt Liverpool maybe haven't taken the domestic trophies with the same sort of level of focus and concentration and, you know, I guess respect some people have, have said. But I do think, you know, it these games are, especially in the early sort of rounds, you know, you want to see the young players come on against Shrewsbury, but you don't want to see a team full of young players. You want to see, you know, you like Sir James Miller in there as well and you want to get over the line and... There's nothing more exciting, is there, than a cup run and one that can end at, at Wembley Way, you know, with all your mates. And I think that's, you know, what Liverpool fans want at the end of the day. And I think that's what they need as well, because you, you just, 
you do think things are one day will be measured in silverware and you want Klopp to, to come away with, you know, more than just the four trophies that he's won because I think he deserves more, the squad deserves more. But just on that point then, Si, is success in this modern day measured on, on silverware as much? It, um, it has changed somewhat, hasn't it? Well, I've actually, I need to correct myself there, Key, was just reminded me that Liverpool have won four trophies. Yeah, you did say two, didn't you? Obviously, the two major ones. Obviously, I know, I know Jurgen Klopp takes great pride in winning the, the Club World Championship, which obviously Liverpool had never won before. And then the European Super Cup in addition to that. So, yeah, I must correct myself there because that is perhaps a bit unfair. But I, I wouldn't put those two two trophies uh, in terms of significance in line with the FA Cup or the or the League Cup, personally. That, that's just my view. But to answer your question, Steve, you know, are they taken seriously? I mean, no, they're not. I don't want to sound like a bit of an, a bit of an old arse here, Steve, but like when I was growing up, particularly the FA Cup was major, you know, throughout the 1990s. I remember every May, you know, one Saturday in May, the whole day was devoted to the FA Cup. Whoever was in the final, even if Liverpool weren't in the final, you'd have BBC coverage, you know, throughout the whole day. It'd start at like 9 or 10 in the morning. The build-up to it would be enormous. It would be like the focal point of the start of the summer, really. That began to change, I think, when Manchester United decided not to play in the competition, to ironically play in the, the Club World Championship in Brazil. And from that point onwards, within a couple of years, you then had, obviously, the increasing amount of money pumped into the Champions League. You had a lot of foreign ownership coming in to the country, which made it harder for, for clubs to, or the traditional clubs, I should say, to, to ensure that they'd be right at the top of the game in terms of qualifying for the Champions League, which then reshifted the focus onto the Champions League. Because there is a, a link between the Champions League money and being able to compete in the Premier League as well, because it's all tied in at the very top. So this has all contributed towards the both domestic cups being less relevant, you know, in terms of a, a club's priority. I mean, I I wrote earlier this season that now forgive me, I might get, be getting the numbers wrong, but it's something like this that I think that the um, the the winner of the league cup gets two hundred fifty thousand pounds for winning the competition. If you just win a Champions League match in the group stages, you get two and a half million pounds. So just think about that. I mean, people might say, "Well, it's two and a half million pounds. That's nothing compared in a, in a football club's, you know, sort of realm." But it is if you're Liverpool Football Club, where you know it's a real, real financial world. Now we can have an argument about whether that should be the case or whether the fans would prefer just to have a, you know, somebody who's just going to go and underwrite all the checks. That is a separate argument, but this is the reality that Liverpool are in at this moment in time. So it does matter for Liverpool, but I do think, as as Kiva said, sort of fans do think about, still think about those those games, particularly at Wembley. You know, the the League Cup match against Leicester was was incredible. I know, I think part of that was because Liverpool fielded the weakened team, and there was that sort of sense of defiance, you know, inside the stadium, which which Anfield sort of reacts well to. But you then get, obviously, just to finish the answer, really, you get clubs like Man City who, I suppose, have prioritised the League Cup this season. I, I mean, I do quite admire Pep Guardiola for doing that. I understand you know, that he has much greater reserves, but there is a certain risk attached to trying to go and win a competition early on in the season. I think it's helped Manchester City, you know, in terms of in, in, the, in the back end of the season, you know, knowing that they've won a trophy as they have done on so many occasions the last few years, given the confidence 
that they know that they can get over the line in, in those key moments. I mean, I know Gerard Houllier used to talk about that all the time at Liverpool, which is why, you know, that I think Liverpool won it twice under Houllier. He felt that, you know, if Liverpool can get a trophy early on in the season, it just gives the club and the players a bit of a lift. I mean, I know that hasn't hasn't happened sometimes in the in the past, you know, for Liverpool as well. And Kenny Dalglish, the last time he won the League Cup was was 10 years ago nearly now and, and that season then unravelled pretty badly for Liverpool in terms of the you know the league placing but you know Liverpool are in a much better place now really I, I would say I know they've got some sort of a lot of squad sort of unavailability at the moment but I just think at the end of the day football is a sport you know you want to see trophies won in front of big sta- you know big crowds and big stadiums it's not always just about balancing the books and ensuring that you know, the, you've got an extra couple of million quid in your pocket. Yeah, there's there's loads of reasons which you've outlined there. Why why is Liverpool fans, we, we'd want to win this competition. Now, going to the fact that the match with Arsenal has been postponed, Liverpool have lost that home advantage. We talk an awful lot, don't we, about having a, a two-legged time, being a downfield for the second leg being so important, but they forfeited that, Kiva. How reluctant do you think they would have been to forfeit that? I think it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think, you know, having been um, at the Leicester game and knowing just the power of the Anfield crowd and how that can get you over the line more times than once, it's done that for Liverpool. And, you know, I guess not having that level of, like, support and control, I think, when you're at Anfield on those big occasions, you as a fan sort of feel in control of it, in a way. And I guess you sort of give that away when you obviously, Liverpool will be at the Emirates for... For the second leg, um, but obviously you know there'll be there'll be plenty of fans in the away end, and I think Liverpool would just be thinking, well, right, this because I think this is the Liverpool of old. If if the first legs are home, you have to win it then, and then you know just sort of consolidate that in the second leg. I mean, look at Chelsea; they basically did that last night. You know, probably should have won by more um, for the control in the first half and stuff against Tottenham, but you know they take a two nil two nil win into the second leg and be confident of get into the final I think Liverpool will need to do something similar Um, obviously we know Arsenal are in probably the best form they've been in for a while at the moment so you know that's why they're disappointed not to be playing it sooner rather than later they want to get these games underway they'll be thinking you know having that second leg will be an advantage to them Um, and maybe it will be given you know how, how good their fans were for the the game against Man City, but you know they did lose that game in the end. So I think Liverpool will will be feeling confident if they can get a good result in the first leg that they can go to the Emirates and just sort of you know get it over the line and get to the final. I think the reaction to that will be will be massive if Liverpool get to the final. I think it'll be one of a lot of excitement. You want to see players like Thiago and Diogo Jota win the first trophies for Liverpool, and this is the first chance to do it. So just go and do it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. 
No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Right, let's move on to AFCON. So we've been talking for months, haven't we, about the, the AFCON 3 and, and Mo and Mane and Kaita sort of leaving. Yeah, I've been Steve, the AFCON 3. The AFCON 3, yeah. <laughs> does that sound wrong, does it? The AFCON 3? I don't know. The three of them, obviously, leaving the Liverpool squad in January and leaving Liverpool with something of a hole there. We're, we're finally at that juncture, Si. I'm sorry, you can call them something else if you want. It doesn't have to be the AFCON 3. Uh, they have gone there with their own free will, Steve. So, um... But they, they have left, haven't they? How, how are Liverpool going to cope without such key influences? I mean, I, I've been concerned for months about this, to be honest, th- th- this period. I think you were even talking about it pre-season, weren't you, Si? We were talking about it last summer, yeah. I hate drawing everything back to discussions on social media, but over the weekends, some of the conversations just being um, absolutely ridiculous, really. I mean, a, a lot of people seem to think that all journalists are just in the pockets of the club and have not written or spoken about their concerns around this. And it's just written out of blindness and repetition, just people parroting what they've already heard from someone else. And anyone who's listened to this podcast will know that we have discussed this before and each one of us who've who've spoken about it have been concerned about it. And at various points I've written about it. So I don't really know where that, you know, that where where that how you deal with with that level of imbalance in in a conversation. But yeah, I mean, Liverpool, I think, I can't really understand why for the second winter in a row, despite knowing that they're going to have fewer options on the pitch in key areas, they've allowed it to sort of slip into that position. I understand you're not going to get a ready-made replacement for, for Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, but there are players who can fill a bit of a gap in that period. Now, Jürgen Klopp, I'm sure, will argue that... Um, you know, there are he does have players to do that, but he'll be judged on whether they do that. You know, if they don't, you know, he, he will deserve criticism for that, I think, because um he's obviously part of this process as well, I suspect. So So you're um, you're you're sort of suggesting that you feel maybe they don't have enough. I don't think they do. Well, I mean I, I think already they're too far behind in the league to, to mount a title challenge. I don't think it will be like last year where they fell off a cliff, really. I think the squad in other areas is strong enough to support what is about to happen, providing, obviously, obviously COVID clears up as well in the next couple of weeks and allows Liverpool to field a team that is strong enough to compete in the Premier League. I also know, obviously, that, that, that Sadio Mane and Mo Salah both played and scored against Chelsea, which was a big game for Liverpool. He definitely couldn't afford to lose that one. It was a... A disappointing outcome in the way the game flowed, I, I felt, and, and a sign that again that Liverpool aren't aren't ready. This team cannot win the league, I, I think, because of the way they, they dropped the points, haven't held them, they let them let it slip far too easily for me. Um, although in the cold light of day, you would say, well, a point at Stamford Bridge is is never a bad point, but I think given how convincing Man City have been. In most of their games, they've only had one or two slip-ups. Liverpool have had you know, quite a few now. I think that would suggest to me that Liverpool aren't quite at that level. But you know, I do think they've got a chance in the Champions League. 
I always fancy Liverpool in the Champions League over two legs. I think I still think they're one of the the best teams in Europe, but it's just unfortunate that they're coming up against Man City, who who I think are in that rhythm of, of winning. But I do worry over the next few weeks. You know, they, as Kiva said, they've got these two games against Arsenal, which I think they should be going for. They should be going to try and win those games. They've also got two league games which you would expect them to win, but are, are tricky-ish, you know, tricky games where they can't really afford to drop more points. So I think that they could drop points, but they not, won't necessarily will, and it might not have the sort of effect that dropping points last season had at this stage. I mean, I, I would have sooner Liverpool last summer had recruited in preparation for this eventuality because soon enough they are going to need a forward or some forwards to replace well, one, two, or all three of the um, of the, sh- the main strikers that they've got because obviously the contracts are running down. So, you know, it's putting a lot of pressure next summer, I think, on, on the recruitment. And just for this particular time period, Kiva, because we, we don't know how long they're going to be out there. The AFCON final's on the 6th of February. So if you're Mane with Senegal or you're, you're Mo with Egypt, you're, you're probably fancying or hoping that you can get to the latter stages. If you do win it, maybe there's a few days of celebrations and a trophy parade in your in your home country. One or two of these guys might not be coming back very early. Plus, it's quite an intense competition as well. They want to win it as much as an English player would want to win the Euros. Yeah, definitely. And I'm looking forward to watching it because I know all the coverage is, is being aired on Sky, isn't it? So that, you know, it's going to be fun to, to watch a tournament at this time of the year. But obviously, you know, you know, Liverpool fans are concerned losing three key players, especially with, you know, COVID and injuries. And it is a worry, I think, if Liverpool can get through the League Cup eventually unscathed and get to the final, that'll be without Mo and Sadio and, and Naby Keita. That'll be massive. You know, just obviously get through to the next round of the FA Cup, get your name in, in the hat. And then I think you need to then win the games definitely without them and then see what happens when they come back I know we've got Crystal Palace and, and Brentford I'm not sure if there's games after that that maybe one or two of them would miss I mean Senegal are the favourites aren't they so you'd imagine that Sadio Mane is going to be away for a while and Egypt are right up there as well so Liverpool are, are missing out on, on two of the star players for quite a long time um, and you know the league feels far off and sort of gone now doesn't it with Man City just being absolutely ruthless but I think there's still a little glimmer of hope there that if Liverpool can put some crazy run together you know I think it'd be sad to give up on something so soon and I think Liverpool fans will be thinking you know they have got that game in hand does it go to nine points and then you know do Man City lose to Chelsea does it go to six points and somehow it goes to five and four and you're talking right back in it I mean a lot has to happen for that to to sort of happen but I think you know there'll be plenty feeling optimistic and I think maybe we might be looking back on this time of AFCON as you know Liverpool sort of got away with it a little bit but I don't know because I think you know they probably need another midfielder in there to sort of pick up the slack when other players aren't quite at the best you know Fabinho has come back from Covid he doesn't didn't look as best did he against Chelsea he was not that sort of you know, the, the lighthouse in the midfield that he has been. And I think having plenty more players is, is helpful, but obviously it's managing them as well. And I just feel like it's a massive time now where obviously players like Origi are out injured. Um, Minamino's one Liverpool will look to in the coming weeks, as will Diogo Jota, who I think has already stepped up, hasn't he, for Liverpool. But 
like Sai says, I think this kind of will give Liverpool a little clue as to sort of life without and sort of what what may be to come in the next couple of years without, you know, the likes of Mane and Salah. Well, I don't think, or I, I presume neither of you think we're going to sign anyone this window of any note. I think James is pretty much on the same page as well. But but if you just threw into the conversation uh, Philip Coutinho, Sai, would you ever have him back? No, I don't. I don't think. Um, you know, I think he's had a really bad <laughs> time at Barcelona. He's now twenty nine years old. I think Liverpool will be looking at a totally different direction now. On a personal level, I, I wouldn't take him back. I don't think. I don't think it sends out the right message. You know, the Liverpool welcome back players who were desperate to leave. Even though, on reflection, I mean, I, again, I, I was quite critical of Liverpool letting him go at the time. Frustrated by. That eventuality because um, we'd seen it so many times over the previous five or six years. But, you know, fair's fair. You know, it worked out well for Liverpool and the club reacted superbly with, with the money that they spent when he left. But I, I just think, you know, it's four years down the line now, really. You know, he's he's obviously had a really rough time at Barcelona. It's not worked out the way he wanted. My understanding is that, you know, that the club aren't interested in him. At this moment in time, Barcelona are desperate to sell him to free up the space in the squad to allow them to get other players in. Obviously, I've seen the stories about them being linked with five or six English clubs, but can safely say that, that Liverpool won't be one of them. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Right, a couple of Liverpool players that are maybe being linked with other clubs. One of them is Nico Williams, who I think's had what four starts, Kiva this this season. I don't know whether he might want to further his game time elsewhere. And another one is is Nat Phillips. Do, do we actually know anything, or what? Or what do you believe would be the situation around them? Given if you throw COVID into the pot as well, a club's a little bit less reluctant to let players go. I think so, and I think this sort of happened last summer, didn't it, with both Nico and Nat? Um, you know, players very much sort of up for sale, but, you know, didn't move on. And I think it's probably a good thing to have those extra players around. And Nico Williams, I mean, he played in Salah's position against Leicester and obviously reverted to, 
his favoured position at right back. I think, you know, he was a player who maybe was sort of looking during just after the Euros, wasn't it, or just during the Euros to sort of maybe get away from Liverpool and, you know, start to really kick on in his own career and get minutes. He's, you know, pretty much second fiddle to Trent Alexander-Arnold. That's a difficult thing to have to sort of contend with week in, week out. But, you know, he's, he's done a steady enough job when he has come in. You know, there's Connor Bradley there as well, who Liverpool have got high hopes for. So there are options. James Milner's always up for up for playing somewhere, isn't he? So he'd slot in at right back. I know Joe Gomez has been playing at right back um, in the odd game, coming on late and stuff. So I think there are enough options there if Nico was to leave Liverpool and whether Liverpool would look to just sort of let him go. I guess it depends on, on the player and the club. Um, I think he sort of last summer wanted to eventually stay and fight for his place, um, which, you know, is obviously going to be just a massive struggle at Liverpool, isn't it? Um, and then obviously Nat Phillips is, you know, sort of a cult hero, isn't he, for, you know, what what he did towards the, the end of last season. And I think, you know, Liverpool wouldn't, I think, what was it, 12 to 15 million they were sort of looking at to get him, you know, playing football as well because, you know, he's a player who should be now. He's getting a little bit older and, and needs game time. That's the same for Nico, you know. But as as selfish as, you know, fans may just want those kinds of players to be in and around the club, but then if you can make a little bit money on them and bring, you know, another player in in a different position perhaps, then, you know, I think there are other options there, particularly with, you know, you, you have got Joe Gomez as, as backup there for centre-halves haven't you and young player like Reese Williams and others sort of coming through so I guess it'll be interesting I, I, you'd expect Liverpool maybe to do more business in terms of outgoing players and, and those two may well be a part of that rather than incoming as much as you know fans will be refreshing the phones constantly and hoping for that to happen but I guess we'll wait and see I, I doubt it'll be as mad as sort of what went on towards the end of, of January this time last year. I'm not being funny, but I think Nat Phillips could do a job for, for most teams in the Premier League, couldn't he? I'm surprised there probably isn't quite a lot of interest in him. Let's just go to uh, a piece that you're writing at the moment, Sice. It's about the FA Cup. We don't know what's happening with Liverpool against Shrewsbury at the moment. Um, presumably, Morecambe against Spurs is all fine. And you've been talking to who? Ryan McLaughlin, former Liverpool right-back. Some fans might remember him from uh, the pre-season tour of 2012 when... The first summer of Brendan Rodgers when he went over to the States and Raheem Sterling was making quite a few headlines. Um, Ryan was on that tour and marked Francesco Totti in a friendly. And he was thought of very, very highly at Liverpool. I know, obviously, you hear that a lot when people talk about young players. Sort of, I've never heard of a player who was thought of very badly as a football club. But um, Liverpool put him on a really long-term contract and, and liked him a lot and... For, for a lot of different reasons, didn't um, didn't quite break into the first team for a competitive match. He nearly did, but got injured on a couple of occasions. Uh, and, and since then, his career sort of been in the, largely in League One, really, uh, in terms of the, the permanent contracts that he's had. And so I was just sort of speaking to him, really, about that, that process of, of going from sort of having the, everybody watching you to, you know, a couple of thousand at most at Morecambe, where he is now. And it's just quite interesting, really, the reality. You know, his reality can be shared by a lot of young players who go through the academy systems, at, not just at Liverpool, but at every club. The reality is he's actually one of the, the lucky ones. You know, he's actually forged a career in football, who in professional football. 
and hasn't just sort of fallen away like so many players do. So it's certainly not a hard luck story, you know, but he, he sort of does still wish that he, he'd, he'd obviously broken into that, that Liverpool team at some point. But, he, he, you know, he's had experience of playing against Harry Kane when he was in Liverpool's reserves and he was telling me about how there were other players in that Tottenham team really who who stood out more than Kane at that time. And, you know, his, his dad was a, grew up as a Tottenham fan. He had the chance to go and play for Tottenham instead of Liverpool, but he chose Liverpool. So there's a few nice little... Uh, Nice little links into the story, which uh, obviously I'll be using. Um, but I, I've known him for quite a long time, really, Ryan. And he's a bit different to to other young football. Well, I say young, he's 27 now. But I saw him as being a bit different to other young footballers because I think I put in the piece that although he took football very, very seriously, he do, he never, he's never taken himself seriously. He just, you know, he, he's very um, self-deprecating uh, and a, a very funny lad and somebody who actually... Whose company I enjoy, so uh, I, I really enjoyed doing that interview, talking through his, his his whole career to date, and hopefully, you know, they go to Spurs and and don't get battered. Basically, I think that's the hope. Could be a magnificent story, couldn't it? We, we love a bit of FA Cup magic, particularly with, with Tottenham and you and Marine. That was only what a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, a year ago. Um, that was that was probably the highlight of my two thousand and twenty one. <laughs> Right, let's finish the pot off with some news on uh, on Liverpool FC women and a, a new signing for the team and, and someone who's going to make a, a big impact, you believe, maybe, Kiva? Yeah, a very big impact, so I'm, I'm told. Um, yeah, Katie Stengel has signed for Liverpool. She'll be announced at, at some point today. A very exciting sort of moment, I think, for Liverpool. They're getting in a player who, you know, she's a, an out-and-out number nine, but someone who can hold the ball up. And I think that's sort of the player they might need just to get them across the line, you know, the top of the championship at the minute. And they just need more goals, I think, you know, make sure that they, they get back to the Women's Super League, which is, you know, they, they failed to do last season. I think it's a, a shrewd move from Matt Beard, who coached Katie Stengel at uh, Boston Breakers when he was out there. Um, she's played for, for plenty of clubs in America. That's where she's from, Florida. Um, she's 29 now, I think. I'm led to believe that it's a two and a half year deal. You know, she'll definitely be seeing two of those years in the WSL. That's what she'll want, and I think that's what Liverpool fans will want as well. Um, I chatted to Scott Parkinson, who's Gotham FC's manager. He's actually a scouser, so it does prove that scousers are all over the world. Um, really enjoyed chatting to to him about it, and you know, he had great things to say from his time at Utah Royals, where he coached, her and you know, just said she's the life and soul of the party. And she's gonna, you know, be an absolute monster. Basically, she's she's gonna get plenty of goals. That that was his hope for her. So yeah, looking forward to to seeing it in action. And hopefully, that's just you know something to get Liverpool where they need to be. And that's back in the WSL, especially with you know the influx of of TV rights and that kind of thing. You know, there's plenty of money coming into the game. Plenty more eyes on it. And Liverpool need to be at the top battling it out with the best um, so yeah really excited about this and I'm sure there'll be maybe one or two more signings perhaps just you know when you're in that position of strength then it's best to sort of strengthen up there isn't it and yeah it's um, very exciting Check out Kiva's piece uh, on Katie a little bit later on on The Athletic and of course uh, size preview of the, the FA Cup game between Spurs uh, and the Shrimps. Morecambe has been chatting with Ryan McLaughlin. Thank you very much indeed, Kiva and Sai. Thank you for listening to The Red Agenda. And we'll be back with you in a few days' time. Hope to see you then. Goodbye.